0: friends and welcome to the first ever video podcast for music in our world. I have uh, sort of been working on getting some better equipment and upping my game in general, started doing some twitching, not twitching, started doing some streaming uh, on twitch, streaming video games and a little bit of music composition, but I think especially right now since most of like these, if, if we're gonna do an interview-style uh, podcast, it's not really likely that we're gonna be in the same room. So, since everyone's kind of figured out their their uh, video and voice over internet ideas, um, figured I may as well sort of include that and sort of move to that uh, that side of things. I'm also gonna be uh, putting more stuff up on YouTube. So uh, I'll put the links and everything to the. Yeah, pretty much everything, um, because there's a lot of there's a lot of things that we mentioned in this episode that are really cool. People are doing a lot of really great things right now, and um, I think it's it's nice to include all of those things. So, um, as well as the this podcast that's going to go up on YouTube, I'm going to be sort of creating small videos um, to accompany, or maybe even just to still uh, to sort of have a video version of previous episodes on the podcast Uh, I'm also going to take that opportunity to go back and revisit some uh, some audio issues maybe see if I can clean those up and get them to be a little bit more uh, pleasing to the ear Um, you can also find those on anchor I've moved pretty much all of my podcast dealings to anchor Um, they are a little bit more generous with the sort of ad revenue that, that we can generate um, so that's something that uh, that really helps out you know uh, as, as we sort of talk about in the video here um, there's a lot going on and it's, and it's tricky to uh, make money I guess <laughs> to, to create a living for, for oneself as a musician and performer so we talk about that in the video um, the, the guys in Rogues among us are, are super insightful uh, and you know working musicians so uh, I had a lot of fun with it and it was it was really cool to sort of explore the video medium and um, I hope you guys dig it and um, be sure to, to click the subscribe button if you want to see more of these um, and then the notification button if you want to be notified when they are uploaded uh, you will also hear from me on my Facebook page and probably a text message um, I like to tell people what I'm up to. So, uh, Also check out, check uh, me out on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ornithmusic. Um, Pretty much streaming daily at about nine o'clock. It's a little bit late, uh, I know for some folks, but if you want to join me for some video games and talk about music and often uh, composition, uh, it would be really cool to to have y'all out there on that platform. but without further ado, please enjoy the interview with Rogues Among Us. So, uh, I know the, the when when I there's been a couple people that have asked me. Um, I don't know why this is so fascinating to people, but I am I am equally fascinated by it. <coughs> um, whenever whenever I tell people about a group, especially if I'm in it, they're like, "I wonder where they got their name from." So. Uh, I would love to hear the origin story of the the name Rogues Among Us. That's uh, Mark. Mark, Mark
1: yeah. uh, <clears throat> put it in a, a a random generator. Basically, Mark chose it for us. <laughs>
2: okay, so what had happened was
1: what uh, happened?
2: We each came up with five names apiece and just like oh, whatever you would like, you know. Uh, we all had our own little things. Some of them were just like variations of the same thing. <coughs> but uh yeah, once we got the list I told him all right, alright, I'm gonna put it in a randomizer and I'm gonna throw dice to see how many times and then I threw another dice, like I think like a uh, out of a hundred. And whatever the number landed on a hundred or out of the hundred, that's how many times it roll and randomized itself. And so, okay so when I did, it came up with Rogues Among Us and it kinda pissed off everyone because they're like, "Well, that was your name. That was the name you picked and you wanted." It's like, "I know, but the randomizer did it. Like, I even videotaped it so you know."
1: It was even funnier cuz he did it twice. And the first time it came up with his fucking name. <laughs> and then <laughs> we were like, "No, no, no, do it again." And then we did it again and it came up with his name again. <laughs> so
0: So it it was clearly great. it was on my side. So he clearly cheated. <laughs> it's I mean, okay, so it just sounds like the RNG uh gods were on your side, Mark, that's what that I day.
2: And I, I usually roll terribly, so I'm surprised I actually got something.
0: Well, I'm still petitioning to get our name changed to Rongo Dongo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's so that was my next thing, is uh, I feel like oh man, people a lot of times leave a huge decision, like the name, like the f- entire future of the brand, up to like, yeah, I drew some shit out of a hat. It was pretty cool. But it works though, like Rogues Among Us is an excellent name. Yeah, I, I like...
2: It's super unique. The only issue is that everyone misspells it. Rouges. Rouges. Hey. We're clearly makeup.
0: You gotta gotta go rouge. You gotta go rouge all the time.
2: Honestly, I've loved it because since we've had that name, we've had so many variations of insults with it, like Rugs Around Us, Oh, um, (laughs) Fungus Among Us.
1: We're actually thinking of starting a, a makeup line that is Rouges Among Us, and it's just, you know. You know, yeah, I oh, think it would
2: work, honestly. And yeah, I think uh, at the merch table at the merch table, I think we should. We'll have like one sort of those of
1: ladies band. that paints it on you and stuff. I don't know how rouge works. I think that's pretty pretty. <laughs> Perfect. Good. So it yes. for
2: the bit. it's that, and we should have an Incubus cover band called Fungus Among Us at this. Point. Yes,
1: definitely, definitely. Yeah. Fungus Among Them. And we only do that one album. Was it like five that's
0: tracks? It. Yeah, <laughs> that's all we do.
1: I would love that. Well
0: right on. I, I am curious. <laughs> okay, so Rongo Dongo, it's, what what were some of the other names that were like on the chopping block or do you guys remember any like that were that stick out for you? Uh
3: I, I had one that I that I know I was pushing for and then now I look back on it and I'm like that's so dumb. It's so edgelord, it's so dumb. Ooh. It was like fallen paragon or something like that. Yeah, I do
2: remember that. Yeah, I was I like that would have pushed us into like the niche of having to be progressive as fuck all the time
3: yeah yeah and I was like I was like that's like baby's first edgelord like band name you know
2: (laughs) that's no regressive memory I'll tell you that (laughs) Um, I think I think I picked out One Fine Day which would have (laughs) probably pushed us into the pop punk realm that's tight pants
0: rock it is <laughs> That's a number and a day. Mm. Exactly. <laughs> you wear a day and the same thing. Hey. You
1: got to have, like, checkered
0: guitar straps and stuff. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and my hi-hat needs to be above my head, right? That's. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and double kick. No one gets to K? wear a shirt.
1: It's called a hi-hat for a double reason, K. John. <laughs> learn, learn your instrument.
0: I will, never, I will never learn my <laughs> instrument,
2: ever. At level hat.
0: Apparently. <laughs> Uh, those are great man.
1: I don't actually That's... remember any of mine um, I might have put Fugly I've always thought <laughs> that was a fantastic band name I, to the, I, will, I will make a band called Fugly at some point in my life but uh, I may have put that in the hat I'm not sure
0: <laughs> Well you know these, these can also be used for like album names or song names down the road
1: No it has to be a band yeah, I can't okay. wait to
0: release the Fugly album. It just, it, just depends. it just depends on how many side projects we take on. Mm. Uh, okay. uh, quick
3: note. Quick note. Uh-huh. Rongo Dongo was something that... No, no. The, so uh, <laughs> our that. former bassist Ray came up with that. He called us Rongo Dongo, right? I used it in a Dungeons & Dragons campaign. Excellent, because my character was a bard, and he was the former frontman of a band called Rongo dongo
2: <laughs> I feel like you use it in almost all your d and d campaigns at this point
3: oh yeah no in 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 my in high school d and d uh there's a there's a fake <coughs> pop band called Rongo Dongo
0: that's like famous in japan <laughs> <laughs> I that's love name. So to me, that that I, there's a, a sort of I I don't want to say serious. It's not super serious. N- none of this is super serious, but that does make me wonder uh, too. Because when I when I first heard Rogue's music, I was like, that's a that's an apt name. Was there any sort of did, did you guys think of it in that sort of meta way? Like, okay, we've got the band name. Uh, how how far along the process in developing the sound was? did the name come? Cause I know not, some people, it just, it wasn't not, not relevant necessarily at all.
1: Not, not from my recollection, like at all. Like <laughs> I'm pretty sure Robert and Mark and our first drummer, Chris had some songs fleshed out and I brought one to the group and we just kind of played them a couple times, tried to nail them down as tight as possible, added stuff, took stuff away and then just went into the studio. And mm-hmm. that was, that was pretty much it. So we kind of just grew from there, <clears throat> I guess, mm. like, kind of grew into the name. If you feel like it really fits, um, but I don't, I don't remember ever thinking about that in, in that kind of like, sort of linear or or whatever you want to call it way. I don't know I about in these like, guys.
2: I feel like sometimes like we've had moments where like we want to be conceptual with the name, mm-hmm. but it's it hasn't always panned out that way. I feel like nowadays now we've figured out how to make it be understandable and work in comparison when we first started and it's like it was more of, more of an aesthetic that we still didn't figure out how to fig- like how to actually yeah do. which makes sense i mean when you first start off with anything like this any branding or anything like that like you're gonna have pitfalls of really just discovering your identity and mm. so not until you find it and then solidify it which takes sometimes years um and also morphs over time, like yeah. that's you know that that's when you start to get your legging. I think.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean that's a, something that's always going to be constantly evolving, and you change personnel, people move, people get married, have kids, change jobs. Like that's all going to inform. You know, totally. Yeah. I um, <clears throat> is are there any parts of. Uh, I mean, I know that you know. Since since I've sort of come along, I've I've kind of asked these questions before. But I'm curious, like, as far as you know, identity and branding goes, have you guys had any specific goals, or has it just been exclusively letting the music play out, and then you you take from that, you know, uh, what what goes on there? How, how does that how did, how has that fallen in for you guys?
3: Well, I mean, our our big goal has always been to approach things not specifically just as musicians, but as entertainers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what kind of mediums can our music speak to? Not just are we musicians? Because ultimately, yeah, you know, we enjoy music and we find music to be really entertaining. But in today's, today's framework, you know, you can't simply be a musician. You have to be more than that.
0: So was that was that a constant thought? Like always thinking, like yeah, we're gonna play good music, but we're also gonna like, d- like, did you have like personalities you developed, like a stage presence specifically, or, um, I mean, I'm always I'm I'm in the back. I try to be as expressive as I can, but I'm there's usually a bass player and a lead singer in front of me. So the the sort of characters that I've developed as as part of like actual you know project bands or you know branded branded entities. Um I have a different perspective on that no matter what just because practicality but what how how do y'all do y'all do y'all have characters that you approach even if it's not explicitly stated somewhere that that kind of go along with with what's happened in Rogues?
1: It seems like Mark has a character in mind uh when he's performing is that uh, is that accurate Mark
2: Well it's interesting cuz I feel like it's less and less of a character and more so of like my personality amped up like 110%. Mm-hmm. Cool. You know, uh it's it's definitely a lot more freeing mentally and emotionally. And I just get to do whatever I want without going too far, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I uh,
1: think <clears throat> sorry, Marco. Oh, no, no, you're good. You're good. Yeah. I, I was just going to kind of launch off of what you just said about doing whatever you want and I think that that was kind of like uh, at least at the beginning you know, I felt like we approached things uh, music first. Like we're thinking about music, not the feel of the name or, or the branding that goes with it or or anything like that. It was like, let's write these tunes. And I think I still feel that way, especially in performance mode um, personally. Like when I'm playing, like I'm listening, I'm watching Mark um, and like a lot of what I like to do is play with what he does or what other people do. And like, I don't really think about my gestures, um, or my movement or, or the character. I'm, I'm kind of into the music personally. Um, which I do feel like is a big flaw for me. Rob has like incredible stage presence. And I, I wish I had a little bit more of that, but, um, I, I th- like Mark said, he's, he's more him a hundred percent. And I think I'm like, like that's not me to to move that much, so I'm 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 cool without it. But um yeah, I don't know if that made sense. But no, I, and I think it's well,
2: good though. Like to it, to turn it on and off like that though.
3: If you wanna dive into that, um I I I've always kind of been okay on stage presence, but I watched an interview with Alan Moore. Uh and if you don't know who he is, he's the author of uh Watchmen. Um, v for vendetta oh, okay um various other graphic novels and novels <laughs> and um i personally don't like i don't follow his religious beliefs but there's there's something he he said in an interview that really like stuck out to me so if you don't know he's a uh he's a magician right <laughs> and uh, and he he made a a comment that that all forms of art in its own way is a branch of magic. So in a, uh, in a stage performance setting, whenever you're performing, you are essentially a shaman that is taking control of your audience and swaying their emotional feelings wherever you want that to go. Mm-hmm. And so I try to make a direct connection with the audience immediately. And then I sway them where I want them to go based on where the music's going.
0: So it's a, it's a, it's an actual effort. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's less, I mean, it's, it's definitely rolling with it, but it's, it's trying to sort of guide that experience. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that's really cool. Um, so um Mark is your uh is your is that are we good?
2: Oh, it's, uh, it looks like it went away. It
0: dude, all right. Sweet. It's all right. It dude, it's all good, you know. <laughs> We're this is a this is a new thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this whole this whole Group interview thing remotely, man. We're we're making it happen. It's all good. Um. So, <coughs> okay, and I. So we we've, we've kind of talked about like the identity and, and the character. Um. The next the next sort of logical progression for me, and um, I will say the the the. <coughs> um, th- one of the things that that draws me to a band is you know is, does there, is it a cohesive idea when they release something, you know, if it's an EP, do those five or six tracks, do they make sense together? Or are they just kind of, you know, put together and the producer picked the order and no one cares? Or if it's like a full length album, is there, is there a journey that I'm going on? You know, could I analyze this musically and and see some sort of progression? Do do the lyrics tell a particular story? Um, So, um, and and this I want to I want to talk kind of more about the story first, and then once we kind of cover that, get into maybe the process because I know that the the ideas kind of overlap a little bit. But um, and I, it doesn't. I know the the uh, subscribe record just came out, and so if y'all want to, if y'all feel more compelled to talk about that first, and then maybe go back to older stuff or start with older stuff. Um, I obviously know the newer stuff better because I learned it to to perform it, but, um, I'm really curious, like, what, what kinds of stories inspired, uh, those, those collections that, that are, you know, were put out together?
2: I, I mean, honestly, I feel like the big couple things that really influenced us was kind of seeing where everyone's headed towards nowadays, but also really heavily influenced by the TV show, uh, Black Mirror, and just, like, their surrealism with, technology and just like this obsession of always trying to be better. And then it ends up making life way worse in reality mm-hmm. or just, just, it always seemed like it, it, uh, never worked out completely the way they wanted it to. And, uh, with the story that we're, that we started to kind of create this little universe, you start to see more and more of like the failings of technology and the social pressure. It, uh, ends up creating more than anything else, especially with Jason Valdez, our first EP for this uh, concept story.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree uh, with what Mark said about specifically this last album. Um, <clears throat> it was a lot of kind of like sci-fi in, sci-fi influence, uh, especially Black Mirror, and uh, kind of our own view of the world, because we all um at, at least the three of us I'm not sure about Kevin um it seems like it seems like he's on the same page um but kind of you know kind of we wanted some cautionary tales in there and some and that that's part of what sci-fi does is they kind of like take things that happen in real life and then kind of extrapolate and take it a couple steps ahead and then you know sometimes stuff from sci-fi films ends up happening and it's like whoa you know like a like uh, all of this year. Yeah. Yeah, like so, contagion uh, <laughs> contagion
2: was literally this year so.
1: Yeah, so but for the other albums, I think uh the first the first EP The Watcher I think we were just trying to like write some really cool music. At least that was my feeling. Maybe my memory um isn't clear. We wanted to write some awesome music that like took you on a a, a journey. All three of those stories. Well, at least the the story for the um for lesser grandstander and eugen i feel like those two really took you somewhere uh lyrically and musically and then um we had success with the the second ep in that sense as well and i th- i think we tried to like make both of those bigger than they ended up being um in terms of like the continuity and the way the songs related to each other and a a real actual concept for the album and i don't think either one of those really did what this last one does but uh that doesn't mean that they weren't like awesome um right. especially as an experience to to like learn writing together you know um so many different like little fights and battles and um also really cool moments where we come together and we just like know what's the next thing that we want to do we all <clears throat> um, just have to get there, but I don't think that they were as uh conceived in in the same way. I think they were like somebody wrote a song or or we all wrote a song together or mm-hmm. you know, and then we just kind of they ended up sounding like us because that's how we write um, yeah, right but there not was necessarily because
3: yeah there was a little thing about the watcher um and maybe it didn't come off a hundred percent the way we wanted it to but the idea was that we were trying to take our audience and put them in our shoes as we tell personal stories about people and events that we have witnessed and uh like you know the uh, lesser grandstander in eugen there were things that we witnessed from people that we knew in our lives and we told those stories through those songs yeah. the wolf bradley brought that in and and that was the
1: same way it was it was kind of a a mm-hmm. story in that sense um i don't think it like spoke as well as uh lesser grandstander in eugen but i think that's mostly because i wasn't there um compositionally or lyrically at the time and that's mm-hmm. that's that's just what it is but um you, you yeah. grew
2: though you grew from that honestly yeah like, for sure yeah no i'm, I'm not trying to yeah yeah cuz then the next record like flawless like was yeah amazing that you no it was yeah, good played. it just
1: you know um yeah. it was it was a personal story as well mm-hmm. that's what i'm really trying to say
3: analysis paralysis uh yeah that was more of just a collection of of songs mm-hmm. but at the same time i think I think the title of the album actually did tell about like you know this is this is the struggles of being an artist and a musician that you encounter writer's block so much and so often that sometimes sometimes it's better just to don't think about it too much and just yeah put it, write some music mm-hmm. and get in, it out I there for people you know
1: I, I think still, in that sense it really told our story as well, because we had a lot of like, you know, it's like, it's a relationship and it takes between, you know, all all of the members and it takes time and it takes nurturing and it takes sweat and tears and all that and frustration. And so, you know, we had a time where we really like had trouble communicating and we were trying to like, get these songs done and everybody has a different vision for it. And sometimes you have the same vision, but you put it in different words. So you don't understand each other and like mm-hmm. learning that, you know, we had to go through that phase to get to where we are now, which is like, I feel like the best place we've been in in our relationships as musicians and as people. But, uh, I think, I think it, what Robert's saying is totally right. Like analysis paralysis describes like that moment for me in our, in our relationship, you know?
2: Yeah. Cause I, I still remember being on the highway when I pitched it and I was like, uh, I looked up something of just, like, what is the technical term for not being able to, or to, like, I guess, like, to just being the way that we are, you know, Mm -hmm. being uh, just confused. Like, we have so much stuff that we want to say, but we don't know how to get it out. We're just, just like what I'm doing right now. I'm having analysis paralysis, as we speak. And I remember I saw it, and I was like, "Oh shit, that sounds pretty cool in general." Like that just sounds like a badass name for something. And everyone's like, "Oh yeah, that actually works really well, especially for the fact that we couldn't come up with a name." <laughs> you,
4: know.
0: well, you get the, you get the meta idea of that built in right into any press you do is like, "Yeah, okay. well, we we were writing it, <sighs> we had no name I for can't. it." <laughs> <laughs> you know. No. It does. It does sound cool. The, to me, and I, I. I think I may have even. I probably said this out loud before, um, and. It's. I'm. I mean. I am curious, and and I want to. I want to talk a little bit about. Because um, I do. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go back and cover. Um, process, in, in, in just a little bit, but that's kind of a specific thing, um, and I think that having some stuff to inform. Uh, how we think about process will help, but um, I've always thought when I first saw I don't even remember where it was. It was probably somewhere that contributed to this romanticized idea. I have it, but when, it, when I first saw uh, mm-hmm. Rogues live um, I was thinking man, this is cool. This is like the coolest thing and I, I you know part of that for me was that it was super thoughtful, but also there, there was a very specific look And then as you guys, as y'all were playing, I was hearing like, oh man, this music is, is, uh, uh, it's, it's compelling and it's, it's captivating. And so it's, um, it, it kind of hits everything at once. You know, there's, there's fun time signatures. There's interesting scales. There's interesting harmonic, uh, ideas. So, um, And it's, it's kind of tricky to sort of characterize that as a genre, I know, because some people are like, oh, it's, it's progressive, or it's, it's, I don't know. Do you, do you guys think of, if, if someone were to ask you, I know, we've, you, know we, you put together descriptions of stuff, but the, the, the question I have is, um, in, in sort of in that context, do you have a, if you had to say that you had a genre, for rogues music so what what what's been written thus far um you know what what would you call it and what what are some things that have sort of influenced that for y'all as individuals and as a group you know do you sit and listen to groups together or genres together Uh, I'm, i'm curious about that
3: i mean we we've listened to groups in the past um we actually used to do this this thing uh, where every week we'd bring a new song, and each person would comment on it and like tell what they, what they got off of that, and you know it, that helped us all as a group kind of like synergize and sync together. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like how we, at least how I would classify us genre wise and and whatnot, uh, I mean, really. I just, I look at us as a rock group and from there, I know that's very broad and that doesn't really like specifically define us, but you know, one of our goals has always been, how can we be attractive to a bigger audience while still being able to enjoy the music for ourselves and for people who are musicians. So sophistication yet accessibility.
0: Yeah, it's tricky to walk that line. I mean,
2: and I and that's the thing is that especially with, you know, nowadays mainstream music is really basically a moving target. That always it's always going to move around. Like we never, nothing stays on on one thing for too long. You know. Right. Uh, but I, I definitely think we've we've been heading in a compl- like in a different direction from when we started. But that might just be because we've matured over time. You know, over the past five years. You know, in comparison to like, oh yeah, I only listen to like Fall of Troy, and I listen to Cody and Cambria, and this and that, to now it's like, dude, you know, I'm showing them, you know, Kali Ushi's, or, you know, different pop artists, Inbra. Poppy, and stuff like that, yeah, yeah, Inbra. and like, understanding what they're coming up with, and like, what what you can take from their music and kind of pull into your own, and like, have it leak into yours, you know.
3: Mm-hmm. I still don't listen to any of that.
2: That's okay, because <laughs> I still do it anyways, without you knowing, so.
0: Oh, you see, no, I, I yeah, know I, you do.
1: <laughs> I, I, I definitely agree. Like, uh, I don't know what I would call us. Um, I'd be interested to hear, to hear what Kevin thinks about like call us. the genre, since he's, like, I mean, he, I wouldn't say he's like a new member, but he's the the newest member, other than John, who's like, brand new, baby fresh, new, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think we started like trying to be prog, you know, progressive. And I don't think that we really landed there. We had some weird time signature and stuff, but I think that like Robert said, it it, it just became this balance of accessibility and something that we want to play every time, you know? Yeah. So I think that's the, the biggest thing is that <clears throat> like, yeah, we got two guitars and a bass and drums and keys and other stuff in the records um, and Mark's vocals. Um, and that you know rock is true like Robert said and uh you know with the new stuff I think we're utilizing more genres to tell different stories and someone a different character's perspective and uh I'm really excited about uh the last album for sure but but the new uh the new ideas that we have for for upcoming stuff because uh you know just telling different characters stories and really analyzing who is this character and and then like using music to really tell their story from a perspective. That's not maybe necessarily, you know, rogues among us. Like it doesn't necessarily sound like what we sound like, you know, um, just, I think it's a, just, just because we sounded like this doesn't mean that this character needs us to sound like that still, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it's going to be really cool, but, uh, yeah, what, what do you think, Kevin? What, what would you say?
4: Um, I usually think of it as, uh, I mean, like, for sure, y'all's first two albums are definitely Prog and, like, Deer Hunter, Covey, Cambria sounding. But, like, Very with nice. this last one, it's definitely kind of just transitioned more towards a, uh, I'd call it just rock. Yeah.
2: yeah.
4: But with varying influences.
2: Yeah, definitely. varying.
4: Influences. For the first I, two, for sure, that's, like, some Prog, Kevin it's definitely.
1: Yeah, I always wanted to say psych rock instead of prog because of that same thing that like towing the line between weird and out there and accessibility. But aside from a few songs here and there, I don't feel like we like really fit that either. So I mean, it's,
2: it's really when I think of psych rock, I think it means like, hey, we're progressive rock. Band. Psych, we're just a rockin'. I love that. <laughs> rather
3: rather than, than try to determine the genre myself, I've always been more interested in hearing what other people
1: thought we were. I think yeah. that's fair.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, like, we're not. We're, we're at least getting uh, people say that, you know, we sound a lot like Incubus or we sound a lot like Deer Hunter, Coheed. I mean,. As long as it doesn't sound like we've missed the mark, I feel. Like if someone came up to us and was like, dude, you guys sound just like Metallica. I'd be like, wow, we never tried to do that. (laughs) So I'm going to have to say you didn't listen to our music. You may have recently put on a Metallica album. (laughs) My
3: my proudest moment was there was this uh, elderly gentleman that came up to us after a show and said, you guys give me vibes like King Crimson. And I was like.
2: That's his heart right there. That's all he's ever wanted
3: I, I i was like i can i can retire from music now
2: <laughs> just off of one man yeah one man's comments could you imagine yeah. if you did that night we're like a year and a half in and yeah yeah i'm and like, like, <laughs> like i'm done that's it i've done it i got
3: what Ooh, i wanted maybe. guys someone said it's we like sound that. like king crimson <laughs> it's like
1: that it's like the comic book guy in the simpsons uh, i don't remember what episode or if it was the movie but he was like life well spent talking about his life like living alone and reading comic books. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be the Hulk. I'm the Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rest
0: in peace Stanley. Stanley. Um yeah. I, I that's, it's it is it's fascinating to me. Um the groups that I know, um, that I think are more, that speak to me more, are kind of that way with genre. Not only are they not actively trying to fit inside a box, they, they typically don't, um, because you know one track might be like, oh, you know, for for something for continuity they had to have something that sounded like a standard, like a jazz standard swing tune, and then the next one was a little bit more, a little bit thrashy. But all executed well, and from a story perspective or a continuity, musical continuity perspective, it kind of makes sense. Um, cause, and and I th- I think it depends. You know, I I don't think that genre is as meaningful as it as it used to be as a way to describe music. And just com- just in general, because I mean, I try to s- I think of rock as a very broad thing. It's usually to me it means like distortion guitar. Drums louder in the mix, um, a guitar or two, and, you know, impressive vocals because, you know, pop doesn't have really those things necessarily all the time. Um, but, and it's, it's, it's interesting, and I especially like groups with five members instead of like three or four, there's, some, there's five different influences that are going to bring, and five different sets of music those people are listening to, and five different sets of life experiences those people have, and um so I, it's to me a uh, genre can get a little pretentious i think when we talk about it but that to me is that's what i figured that's what i had gleaned from listening to the music and and, and you know knowing you guys like i do um so um so that's well, cool like as a band that's kind of where it's coming from
3: i had read this interesting article where they were talking about is rock music dead and the person who wrote the article suggested that it's not dead but it simply is maturing mm-hmm. it's evolving and changing and hopefully we fit that we fill that sh- you know that niche of more maturing rock you know less less rebellious grinded out and
0: more like added sophistication to it mm-hmm. and maturity yeah, I, I think I think that's fair. And to me, like knowing and accepting that music should sound different, you know, from record to record, or from song to song, or from live performance to live performance. I think knowing and accepting that is uh, is, is sort of a hallmark of a group that that does fit that in and is progressing and evolving, um, you know, because I mean we've come a long way from even from you know Metallica you know it's it, we're getting on to where Metallica is what 30 years <laughs> 30 years in like in
2: 40 years at this point oh man like
0: in the 80s yeah and so you know some I think it's it might be different if you like with a group like Metallica if you you know create or heavily influence a particular genre and say and or if the name of if the genre is in the name of your band <laughs> but you know, save save for those you know very small things, and you know if you if you get huge and go on tour your third year as a band, then pff, you know different different story. But I think I think on the whole, it's it's uh, it, it's good to constantly be evolving and 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 always be uh, updating your influences and and how you you create. Um, so. The, and the reason I wanted to sort of cover genre, because um, what I what I was getting to is getting into the the writing process, um, and I, and for this stuff just because I'm I'm curious I'm genuinely curious about it. Um, I I would I would love to go chronologically in order, <coughs> um, you know starting with starting with the very first thing that that y'all released, because um, we've talked about you know, the the identity of the group and how that's evolved. We've talked about, um, you know, how we you have individual characters. Uh, we've talked also about, you know, the stories that we're trying to tell. And I know we, we covered a little bit of it briefly. Um, but I would love to hear, like, the influences. I'd love to hear about the actual writing process, like who brings what. Um, how do you actually, like, share it on a practical level like do you send people emails or do you like sing into your phone and then put that into a you know a, a telegram or whatever um so I would I would love to hear like the the sort of origin stories for for that stuff in in order that would be fun yeah
2: I mean, honestly I feel like with the first record um uh, you know I came in with the song Lesser Grandstander with like melody and kind of just an idea, and I gave it to me and Rob because, like, him and I have worked on that since maybe like
3: 2012.
2: Yeah. I'm and it was like, uh, we were both really bored and wanted to get back in the music. I had just gotten out of college and uh, came up with this lick, which honestly was hilarious because I think I've said it to other people in private, but um, I used to be obsessed with the movie. Um, Donnie Darko, and there is a specific part in the score from Michael Andrews, uh, where he did like this little back and forth on piano. I always thought was really nice. I was like, oh, it's really pretty. So I put it in one of my compositions when I was in college, and like it just kept elaborating on it and elaborating on it all the time. Wrote, you know, some pieces with it, and then ended up coming out with this. And I was like, oh, it's literally the same lick. We're just gonna do it in rock format now. Mm -hmm. you know let's put it in 4-4 and not be so uptight about it and so when i brought it to him he came up with his own idea with it i was like cool so we pushed that and then we lyrically like we had some stuff happen with a friend's family and we kind of brought inspiration with that and uh, we pushed through that one and then it's it's strange like Eugene was kind of like a melting pot of him like the three of us like me robert and our old drummer chris like our ideas of things and it was almost like free form for a while like it took a long time before we actually settled on how long this certain sections were, like, were gonna last and um we just finally figured it out once we got bradley involved like he kind of helped etch out that extra section of it and help it uh have more form. And once we put it on the record, we realized, okay, well, it can never last forever. Now that can only last this long, you know, this is as long as it's going to be, but with the Wolf, I mean, that was all Brad. I, I think Brad has more input on that one than I do. Where's
1: yeah. It? I mean, uh, <clears throat> sorry. I didn't know if you're going to keep going no, or if we're going to trade <laughs> off. Uh, no. So we're done. Yeah. I'll just <laughs> like give my thoughts on the first, album. Um I don't really feel like I did much because I, I think I was uncomfortable with myself as a musician, which to some degree I still am, as y'all know. Um and as a person and just not like confident. So I came in and, you know, I had I had all these songs written, or at least three or four, that I showed these guys in order to get into the band. Um and they were like they sounded excited about them. That was cool. And they wanted to use one and so we chose the wolf. And, uh, but the other two, Eugen and and LG, apart from like little nuances and, uh, changing the way something was played to give it a little bit different texture, um, I don't think I really contributed like heavily, um, to those two tracks at least. The Wolf was, uh, I wrote it and we kind of learned it just the way I wrote it. And, uh, um, so that's that's basically what I brought to the table was the one track for that EP. That's that's how I felt about it. I don't even feel like we were really like fully riding together at that point. Um, nah. we, there were some things like, you know, uh, the and, you know, form and like I said, some, some nuances, but for the most part I think they already knew what they wanted from those songs and they were just open to my ideas. And I was I felt like they were complete to some degree and I felt like maybe hesitant to give extra ideas or maybe uh, I guess I'm speculating about something I don't remember at this point, but uh, maybe I, I, I like was too insecure to, to really hear something different um, or th- if that makes sense. It makes sense to me, so hopefully it makes sense to you. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's how, that's how I felt like the first album went. Do you, so I mean,
0: as the the shows I've played with y'all, and I'm, would I want to you know move on, move out, move on down the line. But when you guys have like, do you ever play these tunes anymore? Have they changed the way you play them, the way you perceive them? Um, has that changed? Because that's something you know, like, um, you know, I'm sure if we if we ever have to bust them out, we'll have to learn them and maybe re redo them. And if we do that, like, how are me and Kevin gonna? How would we adjust? Maybe what's on the record to like how we would play it live, um, hypothetically, if we were to do that. I'm just curious how those things have evolved for y'all.
2: Well, it's interesting because I feel like a song like "Eugene," which always has been like a finale for us, it's always been the ending song for every set that we've ever done until maybe the past year or so. um, It's turned into like something we can put in the middle or something we can put at the very beginning because it used to just be like a huge, like, we're going to, you know, use up all of our energy here type of song. And now it's gotten to this point. It's like no, like we can still do stuff like this and not completely empty the tank. You know, mm-hmm. we still have more to do, and we still have you know other songs that help us empty the tank a little faster. But uh, I feel like you know, with songs like Lesser Grandstander, which I've I've wanted to bring back, but also never wanted to bring back at the same mm-hmm. time, because I feel like we've kind of gotten past that sound. Is to just tighten it back up and then make it sound like something we'd do today it's not gonna, i'm not saying we're gonna completely rewrite the song and it's like you know a remaster or anything like that but it's gonna be more of just how does it make more sense for us today with our new you know set of people in there as well you know what what, what would make more sense especially the baseline i feel like the baseline could not be the same thing over and over and over again <laughs> uh, so
3: i i eugen I'm glad you brought that up, Mark. Uh-huh. In a in a live setting, Eugen for me has always felt like we're taking the audience on a journey. It's a huge energy tune oh, that yeah. has some fluctuations throughout. And so it always feels like a journey from start to end. Um, kind of has this like level of mystery to it at some point as well. And I know at least for me, whenever we bring in, different members and stuff or if we have people sitting in because we've had other musicians that weren't a part of the band come in and we're just like do your take have your take on that part Mm -hmm. you know that's that that's how i really love to approach this group is like i don't i don't like to box in other people so like i'm like i want to hear your take on this i and then obviously in rehearsals we'll we try to like tighten it up and get it to where we're all like communicating and whatnot but like eugen has always felt like that one tune where we've we've done so well with that like we've brought in other musicians whether they're horn players other bass players drummers whatever and we've gotten so many different feels just based on who's come in through it and it always seems like that tune in particular we've been playing it since day one and we still play it live. It always feels like that tune just like resonates really well with our audiences.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with Robert. I think uh, if you're talking about like older tunes and uh, having new members play them, it, it goes with what's Robert, what, what Robert just said, talking about balance um, it's about, well, I don't know. Anyway, John was talking about something earlier, um, and Robert was talking about something. And my idea is that balance is the key. You got new members. You want to have five different people's influences in a song, right, John, for mm-hmm. for the the band sound. Yep. But you also don't want to like, yeah, and and you don't want to limit anyone's uh, what they want to do, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like you got to meet somewhere in the middle. So it's this balance of those two ideas and just like, it still needs to take you on that journey and be that same song. So I think, yeah. I
0: do feel like, uh, you know, Eugene, Eugen was a tune that stuck out to me. I'm, I'm curious how, um, you know, Kevin, when you, when you were, like, I guess in the process or maybe auditioning, um, were there any tunes that stuck out to you? It's like, oh man, I probably got to learn this one. I'm, I'm sure they had specific stuff, you know, like we're playing this on the show. So you probably should know this one, but just listening, you know, I I like to say that I, I approached this, this group as a fan first and some, some stuff did stick out to me. And, and Eugen was definitely one of them. Curious your take on, on that.
4: I'm OCD on learning stuff. Like, Mm-hmm. send me something i'll learn it like the record and then like i'll make a chart where it's just like the record so especially with the music and flawless i just learn those exactly why do you all of them i just learned it exactly as it recorded and that's just like my approach to everything that i've been asked to do musically is i'll just learn the record exactly mm-hmm. and then live just see what happens and like, <laughs> either it works or it doesn't
3: i i but, can uh I can comment Basically. on Kevin's OCD. So <laughs> we, we we did a cover of Life Will Change from the Persona 5 soundtrack, and it's up on YouTube. So I was like, hey, Kevin, you want to play this? He's like, oh, man, I love that soundtrack. Yeah, sure. So I kept asking him, I'm like, so where's your part, Kevin? We're waiting for your part. And he was like, I just finished transcribing it. I was like, what? He, <laughs> played, he transcribed his whole part before he performed it. So, <laughs> I
2: mean, which is incredible because like I sat there on that same tune with the organ part and I just like kept hitting notes and then I was like, nope, <laughs> that's not it. And then I was like, I give up. And I looked up online. I was like, oh, those are the chords. Cool. <laughs> and then just started putting it in there. So I, I that that's an, that to me is awesome that you would go that far to transcribe and like if anything our professors in college would have loved you, especially <laughs> our jazz instructor. He would have they would have loved you. That would have been like, oh, this guy wants to learn every exactly just all the
0: chords. <laughs> it's all the chords. Stick. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> that's oh, that's awesome. Oh, I, I think too that that's a a good. It's a super good quality to have in in a group like this, where there's gonna be some precision that needs to be there, and there's gonna be some that's has to be accurate for it to be effective. Um, you can't just be like, oh, maybe I'll tune my instrument and then punch it later. Like, you know, I, I played no, we're
1: with... a, we're one of those bands. Uh, we, we don't bring tuners to shows. That's uh, tuners are beneath us.
0: I bring two tuners to every show. Bradley, <laughs> thank you
1: very much.
2: If we use any of the tuners, it's the ones that they put on the headstock only.
1: So. <laughs> and we leave. We... Uh, it's we the snark. The on so you can you can hear it. It's either that or we just go uh... and, like, we uh, we put our cell
2: phones <laughs> next to the amp so we can pick it up on the on the ituner
1: <laughs> professionalism <laughs> we're a professional band that is we true
2: also, we also don't use the pedals because clearly like you hear us it's like
4: <laughs> right we play the tuning song a lot
2: a lot
1: best.
4: <laughs> that's the
1: right string too <laughs> Oh shit.
4: But um, I will say that after hearing their stuff and learning their stuff for those gigs when they got into the writing process I kind of thought this was a straight frog band so I thought we were going to sit there and be like okay we're going to do three measures of three four and then one measure of two of like two two and then we're going to do eleven and I, you know then all of a sudden count it off and just go from there so I was kind of worried about that but, okay. <laughs> but like
2: the writing and, process like after listening is totally different than what I,
1: expected. Yeah. So I thought it would be and now he's bored
2: now he's <laughs> bored and so far it's been more of like hey so uh uh what did you guys come up with this week <laughs> did you come up with the lick by any chance yeah i did here's what here's what it is and then but, we sit
4: there for.
2: yeah we sit there for like two hours hitting that by the that's
1: the they're only thing like, like I know. <laughs> but it,
2: was, it was always funny because like sometimes <laughs> even writing like the new stuff, like writing the Jason that stuff, <sighs> the guys would just be like, all right, Mark, uh, just go ahead and write something to that. And I like, I don't know what chords you're playing. Oh, um. What chord? Hold on. <laughs> yeah, and so. And then like, they would come back. You know, <laughs> they would come back to it.
1: So that might be why this happened to me a lot. Um, but at first, um, besides, this album, I think, was primarily written by Robert <clears throat> yeah. and – uh he did a fantastic job and we all just kind of like helped him flesh it out and, and take it where it needs to go and talk about the characters. Like I said earlier and all that stuff. But before that, um, whenever I would bring stuff to the guys, they would literally just like um, flawless is a good example. Like I think, I think it was flawless. I had this melody and then Mark was like, okay. And he played a very different melody in the same spot. And I was like, you know, what the fuck you know like like (laughs) kind of mad you know because then i have to rewrite my part you know and and robert too i brought in from within um to the group and i mean i had a very different version so we totally rewrote it and we went by the chords so we wrote the chords and then robert came up with these really cool melodies and i'm listening i'm like none of my chords fit what he's doing now so i had to go in and change my part i think i think that song i changed it three times to fit Robert's what what Robert's new idea was, um, so there's a lot of rewriting involved. And uh,
3: I I want to say to be more specific, it fit. It's just Bradley didn't like how it fit.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong, because because like wrong notes yeah. are just color tones, right? Okay, that's right. fine. But I wanted to enforce Again. them. You know what I mean? Like I, I wanted them to be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not sound wrong, but sound like. <laughs> Because the melodies were beautiful. Like, yeah. if you listen to that song, they're really well, like, just really beautiful. And the chords didn't, you know, kind of bring them to life. So I had, to, like, I felt like I had to re- redo it. And then, same thing with Flawless. Like, there was one point where I was like, guys, I feel like I have to rewrite this again. And they told me not to. And I was like, no, I have to. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, and then I did it, and they were like, okay, that's this, great.
3: You know? Just, so. to, just to be clear, this is Brad.
1: Yeah. This is my version. This is of Brad. <laughs> yeah. and,
2: um, and, but you know, honestly, and it was funny with Flawless because I remember you came out like fully fleshed. Fully fleshed out. And I was like, dude, this is cool. The lyrics are really good. I think like maybe there's a couple spots we could repeat lyrics instead and just No, it's this is what it is. And I was like, Okay, well I'm gonna repeat these lyrics regardless, just so you know. And <laughs> and it's I think we've always had the type of relationship where like we love what what we do with each other. Like we we love like the stuff that we come up with, but then also aren't afraid to tell each other like, well, here's what I'm going to do. Um,
1: Well, I think, I think that was a learning journey for me. Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, learning how to work with a group and Mm -hmm. having your own ideas and acknowledging that like when you bring a song to a group that it's, it's not going to stay that way. Um,
2: it's it's no longer your song
1: yeah and and i knew that conceptually but um it feels different when uh it changes so much and uh yeah and so yeah i definitely have grown a ton because of this group well working
3: with working with a group you're opening yourself up to criticism to change to dealing with all sorts of personalities and sometimes conflict arises from that but yeah you know the the thing is you're also getting all the benefits of it which is the varied influences the different ideas and i'm gonna tell you like like i i know brad said that i wrote a lot of uh this this latest album dude i i wrote like a basic foundation and like all of it changed and for the better like for the better and i was very glad to receive all the input on that yeah yeah and
2: that's that's but that's always been the great thing is that like it took us maybe like a year or so to kind of figure that part out just like that there will be conflict in in what we do but really it's like once you put your ego aside and you start to be open to the criticism and understand that it's not criticism towards you as a personal person it's criticism towards you know things that could be better because we all had the same idea of trying to be the best that we could be musically or you know as people so it we stopped fighting so much about it because for a long time they would fight all the time i'd get my feelings hurt all the time it's like well my lyrics aren't good enough for you then maybe i'm not good enough for this band or maybe i could just do it on my own like just stupid bullshit like that but and but over time like you start to realize it's like no they're they're trying to bring out the best in you well i
1: think i think that's actually still a process is letting go but i think we've grown into a place where like i don't think it was ever like you know my ideas are shit it was more like of like i i had a vision and then now it's more like i'm excited to see where this goes with everybody's vision um at least me personally but i what i was really trying to say is that like i still think we have like little uh little things here and there but it's like we know it's going to be better tomorrow and and like we love and trust each other you know for real and so it's it's yeah i don't know the
3: the people in this room don't reach the level of toxicity it's it's usually
0: pretty uh constructive
2: Wait, in your room or is-
1: <laughs> <laughs> My dog
0: is never toxic. She's very supportive. My dog is always toxic. <laughs> Especially for gas. Oh um, I mean.
1: So we can talk yeah, about I'll toxicity, that, like, y'all. I'm just saying we could talk about toxicity.
4: Well, I'll say that like after being in a few bands from it, like every band I've been in, I'm like the third or fourth base player. So like coming into this group again is like a third or something, or fourth base player. I'll say that like no aren't. I mean, it's a pretty toxic situation like yeah there's no toxicity at all there's gaslighting though
0: dude, I, well <laughs> and there's multiple yeah. different <laughs> kinds of gaslighting but that's a different, different that's a topic. lovely charming gaslighting it, uh, it's I, all in fun <laughs> yeah dude i've had the same experience man i'm always like the fifth drummer and i come in and 100 percent of the time it's like yeah our first three drummers were like one guy was like 80 and then the next guy was always on drugs and then one guy was 80 and on drugs and so um we're in a really bad place and i i was exactly. it's like we really we really need someone that will not be on fire when they come and i'm like
4: yeah, that's how mine has been too. It's like, look, if you just show up sober and on time. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best that we can do at this
0: point. Yeah. But, you know, I always I, – and I, I think it sometimes it works with, you know, people that just kind of show up and do the thing and then fuck off. But it can also be – I think it's different, and I think if there's there's that, like, sort of special sauce when it's – you know that there's people invested in what's going on. And regardless of the instrument you play, if you're going to be a team player, you're a team player. And, you know, um, so that, that's, that's interesting. Um, I, I am, was there, was there a point in time, because I know it's it's really tricky sometimes to, to sort of pinpoint it, but, you know, was there a time between the first and second uh, collection that, that you released that you, you there was a marked... Um, change in the process? Like, you know, Bradley, I know you were saying you didn't feel very involved in the, in the first one necessarily. Was there a time like, oh yeah, like the second we released that first record and start workin', started working on the second one, it was different? Or was it, you know, how did that process evolve? Uh, the, the dynamics of, of things, did they, you know, was it a, sh- a quick change? Was it, you know, the entire process of the album into recording? Or how, how did that kind of work out for y'all?
1: For for me personally, I don't think there's ever been a defining moment. Um, I think it's just been a really difficult journey for me personally to actually accept that people value my input Mm -hmm. Um, and also an equally difficult journey. Um, I don't know, but definitely, definitely like having to face that people value my input like that has a weird connotation having to face it like it was it was it was a real challenge for me and it still is to some degree today you know and uh you know like we give each other shit uh we give each other shit all the time and one of my things is uh i don't know my parts because i like to play different shit you know and so sometimes i still get like in my head about that shit but um but I've grown to the point where like, I know these guys, like, they don't, they don't have any hard feelings towards me. Um, and we trust each other enough to where like, if they did, I know that they would tell me something, you know? Um, so no, there was never a, a a single moment. It's, it's always been a constant kind of struggle to get to like where I am. And I, I'm still kind of like progressing in that sense, you know, mm-hmm. kind of still learning that, uh, I'm not a piece of shit. <laughs> you know? So that uh, d- yes, uh, so I, I kind of made it like psychological. I'm sorry, but but I think that's part of what it is for me. Uh, that you know, there's
0: it's it's easier to see stuff that's practical. You can hear changes in music, you know. That's that's easier to discern. But I've always I I love talking about this because I I deal with it a lot. I mean, I I I work in composition, music composition and all sorts of genres and all sorts of levels of that. Um, I deal with something called imposter syndrome all the time. Yeah. I d- what I do, I am not worthy to do. When I have two degrees sitting on my wall that say very much the opposite and I have people that, that I care for and adore and, and respect their opinion and they've said, you know, I love working with you as doing what you're doing. Um, and I do think that it's it's a constant struggle for creative people, um, and you know, like I said, the practical stuff I think is, is a little bit easier to talk about, but um, I, I I would love to hear everyone's take on you know imposter syndrome. Do you ever feel do you ever feel like that?
2: Uh, i I definitely can understand the imposter syndrome issue. Uh, I've had issues depending on. Uh, what parts that we're writing. So I I feel like there was a point when I wrote for lesser grand center for the lyrics, like I was in my head a lot harder than it should have been. Mm -hmm. I was, it was, you know, it's the first time you're, you're coming up with stuff for the band and then none of that, but like the, the story behind it was pretty graphic and gruesome to deal with. And then Eugene wasn't any, any easier having to deal with Like seeing these things happen to my friends and, uh, but as time went on, like, it started to get a little easier and easier to deal with mentally. And now I feel like I'm completely draining myself artistically or emotionally, you know. And, uh, like, this past album, honestly, may have been one of the funnest ones. Mostly because I got to act like a person who was somewhere in high regard all the way down to this point of humble well, like becoming modest and humble and mm-hmm. and trying to humble yourself in the process and it was yeah. it was interesting and you know i've never had to play a character in that regard of like someone who's super high confident and just knows what he wants and i'm gonna get it and this and that i've never had to do with that deal with that personally so it, it was a lot of fun this this time around doing it but uh, the imposter syndrome man like that's It's so wild that people don't realize, like, how real that can hit. You know, it it seems... It it doesn't seem like a big deal at first, but then once you're actually hitting it and you just... You don't understand, why do I get the praise that I get for this? Am I really as good as I think or as others think? And it's, like, trying to take on the pressure of, like, living up to everybody else's expectations, you know? Um, When in reality, there are no expectations. It's just you having expectations on yourself and understanding that not everything's going to be a banger not everything's going to work but when it does work it's going to fucking work you know it's going to be a big deal
1: so yeah yeah i think part of it is <clears throat> like the the music training that we have and uh when you hear yourself back you've learned to listen really critically like beyond the scope of of the average listener, I would say by far. Um, and so when you hear something like it's, you know, you, you have that like instilled, uh, or, or learned skill to, to want to improve yourself. And then you also have the ear to hear that it was like, not what you wanted to do. And then all of a sudden you're in this place where you don't, you don't feel good about it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah.
2: You you know, honestly, that's sorry. I'm going to tell you this real quick. The really interesting thing between the three of us that we have to deal with is the fact that when we went to school for things, uh, we were always told how to perform or what to write and in a certain way, because whatever we came up with may have been good to us. Mm -hmm. But to them, it's like, well, here's how you can make it better for Brad. It's like when you played your piece and it's like, this is the best of my abilities to play it. Pluggy could easily be like, okay, but that's still not good enough to my level. And at the end of the day, yeah, he might be, you know, the person in charge or this and that. But like, he is not the, you know, the authoritative figure of all, you know, saxophone players. You know, Kyle Kindred was not the authoritative figure for all composition in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, it was for us right then and there. Mm -hmm. And so the thing that I wish that they would have taught us at the end of the day is understanding whatever is the best that you think makes sense. If that's the way you interpret the music, then that's the way you interpreted it. If that's the way that you wrote it, because this is how it makes sense to you, then that's how you wrote it. But to make it feel like we're always grasping for people's gratitude and appreciation and always trying to do that, it's made us kind of a slave to that system. So now, like, when we're in this type of realm, we're doing it to our peers and less and less to the audience. Because Mm -hmm. we are thinking in our head, like, the audience doesn't understand. Our peers could understand better than our audience will. And the worst part is that majority of the time, our peers aren't even listening.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's the audience that's
2: listening. Sometimes our peers are in the audience, but nine times out of ten, they aren't. You know, we're trying to be better than the band that played ten minutes before us or Mm -hmm. trying to make us look so good that the band after us can't hold a candle to us. Yeah. But that's the issue. That's the issue is that we're going after the wrong. We – we can sometimes get stuck in the wrong ideal of like, you know, what we really should be seeking. You know, yeah. I don't.
3: I don't think I necessarily follow that, but I also don't have the college background you guys have. Um, it's
2: like PTSD for us, <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, definitely feel that way. it
3: really kinda, is kind of kind of reining in. Going back to the question, though, um, the big difference between Eugene and analysis paralysis is. We actually had a group for analysis paralysis. Eugen was was still a bunch of individuals. Just hey, I wrote this song. Bring it to the group. We ship it. Analysis paralysis. We had a bass player. We had a drummer that came in about like a quarter way through the writing process, and we all developed the songs together. Um, I, I know there's there's a lot of like there was a lot of conflict that happened halfway through. Um, and even even during the recording process, but I mean, you know, every group has to deal with stuff like that. Sure. But uh, I mean, that was like the big difference. And that was kind of for me, where I felt like I could see gradually, like we're starting to like solidify who we are as a group. And even with the changes in membership uh, over time, like, like, there's still, like, this foundation, and, um, and I, I feel like that foundation is still growing, um, as we, as we try to find the people who, like, become the glue of this group. You,
2: you know, honestly, it's interesting, because you had mentioned that with the, with, uh, analysis paralysis, but, like, I still remember the day that, you know, when, uh, you know, when Nathan came and listened to Flawless for the first time after being, you know, being in school, and, you know, doing his, his, uh, his master's and stuff. And he came in and he heard and was like, that's not what I expected it was going to be. You're about movement. maladjusted. Yeah, maladjusted, sorry, yeah. And I remember, like, it really threw me back to college because in reality, I remember having a professor do the same thing. He asked me to write a piece for him. And he said, "This is the these are the, the things you need to hit. And this is what, I, what I'm expecting. So I was like, cool, you gave me the box, I'll play in the box. And then I gave it to him. And I performed it for him, and he said, that's not what I expected it to be, and I don't like it. And it just reminded me of that, because in reality, at the same time, I asked him at the end of it, I was like, did I hit all the things you were asking for? Yes. I mean, technically, yeah. I was like, then I did my job. And that was the thing, was that Nathan had come in with Maladjusted and gave us, you know, he gave us a box, because he told us I'd like for this to happen and, and these type of things. And then we did it but we did it our way the way that we like to do things and it took us a while before the three of us you know or the four of us at the time had kind of grouped together to figure out oh this is what it would be cool and coming up with different ideas and chunks you know towards the end and stuff and he didn't like it and it's like that's okay because someone else will like it you don't have to like it there's sometimes there have been songs that we've played that i don't like but i know it's not for me it's for everybody
1: yeah, I think I think a big thing I've learned is that thing too, letting go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Letting go. Like, maybe it's ego. Um, I don't know. It probably is. Uh, it could just be the fact that we care, you know, um, which might be, you know, that might be ego too. But anyway, you know, just letting go of what you think, you know, what you think about it. Cause uh, it's not up to you to judge it, you know, like you wrote it, you did the performance and that's all you can do. And I think I've taken that into like a bigger part of my life and and that's, I think that's my journey now. It's just like, you can only do what you can do, Yeah. you know and the same thing in in the music realm. You can only do what you can do. You can't make somebody like it. You can't make it um, perfect. And no matter how well you perform it, how well you record it, you hear it a year later and there's going to be something you you have a new idea because yeah. you've grown and you have it's you know just like anything else so yeah, hopefully, you know,
0: it's easy to fall into a a a, a thing where it's not that you're just like well I wrote that a year ago it sounds fine you know selling copies or whatever but um not, that's that that's uh, definitely something that should should always be in, in consideration and it, it is hard. And I think that's, that's one thing that all sort of all musicians um, can get into. Um, whether it's a, a heavily writing thing or, or just performing, like. Um, the the whole idea of, of entertainment is very subjective. So like, it's got to be it, you know, for you, I think one, one thing I will say about, about that. I think my goal is to. Sometimes it's to entertain. That's like a, an overarching goal, but I know it's not really a practical one because most of that process, most of that transaction is actually out of my control. But I do have a goal of, I want to play it well, you know, and not to the point where, oh, God, I, I missed a note. I'm useless. I'm worthless. Um, Performance-wise, that's never really been the case for me. I'm like, I missed a note. I, I don't care. Right. I, <laughs> like on drum set, oh, I missed a fill, or I drop a stick. I got, like, 300 sticks. It's fine. It's whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Composition, it's a little bit different, and I've had to work into, you know, the the writing process. I'm like, well, I finished this, and there's been marching band stuff I write. I I do a lot of, you know, marching band, especially this um, time of year, and I finish it, and I'm like, this is exactly what they asked for. They've given high praise. I hate this a lot, and I'm never listening to it again. Yeah, Um, you
2: you're just done with it at that
0: point.
1: yeah well, i think Check emma watson is that hermione emma watson hermione. right yeah. <clears throat> yeah she was talking about the harry potter movies and she was talking about like it's like looking at middle school photos except of your work or something like that you know no. and that's kind of i think that's like exactly what we're talking about
0: oh yeah because they were children when they filmed that yeah. Yeah. that's so yeah. weird uh, yeah and they
2: grew over what 10 films Ten films like that's that's huge that's a huge you know grouping of things to do I mean, yeah, you literally do grow up in that sense it's like watching you know like full house those kids grew up into
1: that yeah and it's it's easier to see what she 's saying, but mm-hmm. uh, I think it applies equally for for us as musicians and et cetera
2: I, I, I agree
1: yeah well i um I am curious too
0: about the some of the some of the practicality of it uh so you know when once you guys had the core group that was there um what what was some some of the the practical stuff like i mean i know some 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 of you had uh you brought in like a a structure or a chord progression or a lick or whatever um how did how do you all sort of share it and collaborate was it all done live in person um you know, I, I, I mentioned, I've, I've sent people, like, little voice messages before. I'm like, hey, what do you think about this melody for this, you know, song that I'm writing? Or what do you think of this lick for the end of the snare solo? Um, so I'm, I'm curious what, how you all kind of handled that uh, in a practical sense.
3: I mean, it's a combination of live and demoing out, um, sending stuff back and forth. I know. I know. Before we were very limited on our knowledge and practicality of technology, so a lot of it was done in person. But as we've grown, it seems like we're we're becoming more and more focused on the demo side of things. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll send tracks back and forth. Um, and I know me and Mark specifically, like at the very beginning, that is almost exclusively how we wrote because he lived in Hawaii.
0: Mm. Yep, that's right you were fancy
2: I was fancy Fancy.
0: (laughs) yeah
1: I think uh, you want to go ahead Mark
2: no I mean uh, no you're, you're good
1: okay uh I think uh in my opinion it's different for every song you know um I think Robert has a point about lately it's been more demo focused but I also think that we've had huge success with these full day writing sessions that we'll do every once in a while where we'll meet up at the practice space two days in a row for eight to 12 hours. I I don't know if we do two days in a row every time, but I think we did at least once for analysis paralysis. And I mean, just talking about all day you spend it writing. And uh, so that's really helpful for some things. And then, you know, other, other, other songs like, you know, flawless, we did the words first And then I think Robert came up with some chords and then I changed the chords and put the vocals in and then Mark came back and changed the vocals and, and we added sections and stuff like that. So that one, was kind of the opposite. We started with the poetry first, whereas a lot of times we'll start with one riff or we'll start like with this last album with an overall story and how does the song need to feel, you know, how does song one, two, three, and four and five need to feel at that moment in the story and what is the story and then we take everything from there so in those in those cases lyrics are usually the last thing to go Mm -hmm. but i think basically the answer from my perspective is that it's it's different almost every time
0: that's that's i i didn't know about like a marathon writing session that's i mean i've been there i've had to turn out a marching show in two days so i've 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 been there. I know a lot of really cool stuff can can come out of that that time where you set aside time, like I'm gonna sit here and be creative. Um, do you, are you do y'all like do y'all write stuff down? Are you are you a, a chart chart kind of people or do you just like you know record it and listen to it later? I, that's kind of a small thing because it you know it doesn't really matter necessarily. I'm just just kind of curious.
3: I think some of us are and some of us aren't.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, f- I was going to say, I feel like this time around, this last album, we actually got super into being more uh, structurally sound in comparison. Sure. Before, it's just been like, oh, it's it's already put together. Let's just give it to each other and start building. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the skeleton was always there. So this time, it, in general, we had to generate everything. And it's like, well, the best, thing we, best way we can do it is just like how Brad said. It's like, here's what the story is. How do we fit the story into the music? And then how, what do we what sections are we breaking off into what and what is it doing in the story to influence what's happening in the music comparison? I remember uh,
1: what musical tools can we use to to captivate or to to elicit this emotion or this feeling or this, you know, moment in the story?
4: Yeah.
3: I remember at one point Brad like made folders for everyone that had like (laughs) all of our tunes written, like everything transcribed. Mm
0: <laughs> and he gave it out
3: to everybody.
0: I don't know where mine. That's is. that's something that I would do. That's that's some nerd stuff. Which, but it,
2: but it needs to be done. You know. It, I no, I agree. It, if it works, it works. If it didn't work, then you know. It's, it was okay, helpful okay, for
1: like was one, was one, one, one
0: rehearsal. A few rehearsals. Hey, man,
1: <laughs> that's better than no rehearsal. I mean, <laughs>
3: I mean, it it was helpful until like. Like Mark said, people started losing their
0: folders. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I taught that, actually, that was the issue. I taught middle school band. I'm familiar with the phenomenon. I swear that's not gaslighting.
1: <laughs> it's funny how shit don't change, you know. <laughs> Sitting here, years <laughs> later, well out of middle school, <laughs> still be losing shit.
0: <laughs> I don't know where they it is. Yeah. I did I never
1: got it.
3: Dude in school I was the worst because I knew where my stuff was. I just refused to bring it. No,
1: I I'm I'm I am very bad about exactly that. Like I will forget everything. <clears throat> they know. <laughs> John knows too, shit.
0: Alright, that's what iPads are for. I'm just saying. Any...
3: Dude, these kids nowadays, they have it so damn easy. They carry around a laptop or a tablet or some shit. Like, I had, dude, I had all my books in my backpack because nobody had time to go to a locker. So it was like, dude, I had everything with me at all times. So Lisa I'll, Frank like, up in this bitch. Dude, I carried that Lisa big Frank, backpack bro. everywhere. That's that's dude. why I got thighs of steel now. <laughs> I don't
2: <know> about that. <laughs> that's why. <laughs>
1: Okay. Uh, yeah. That is a fucking bread pudding. <laughs> <laughs> Brad pudding? Yeah, Brad pudding.
2: <laughs> um, gross, actually. <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, but that's the thing. Like, to me, it's like, it just depends on if you cared enough to make time for it. Because, like, you and I went to the same schools. Like, to me, it's funny to, to hear you say, like, oh, I didn't have time to go to the locker and this and that. I'd rather just carry all my books. It's like, no, you can make the time. <laughs> to go to your locker. You had five minutes. Hold out. You know, like it wasn't like you walked half a mile to the next class. It was sometimes a few doors down or whatever, and maybe was your it was it, cool it
3: three doors down? Hey, you know what? I had to deal with certain people at school. So Mark? like, whenever like um. You, yeah, I'd be going down the hallway trying to get to my class. I'm like, maybe I have time to get to a locker. Here comes Mark. Oh, hey Rob, did you hear about this? Did, you, like, oh, did you see this
1: video? And then,
2: Back in the yeah,
3: walking in walking bed, down so. the hallway and and <laughs> Chase and all these other people. Kidney check, pop, punch you in the kidney. Yeah, okay,
2: <laughs> you used to scoop my, my man boobs, so don't. I
3: was innocent, always innocent.
2: <laughs> Here's the gaslighting. <laughs> You know? That's how quickly it that yeah, Waller
3: Waller High School, man. Waller High School. <laughs> you have nothing better to do than terrorize the f- other students.
1: <laughs> Rob was a bully. I Zero was not a bully, Rob. sir.
3: Not a bully. I was, was not, not a bully.
0: <laughs> boop, boop. He was not. Uh so I do is there. Mm... Mm. Uh, what's 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 sort of uh, writing wise like music wise you know there's because there's other stuff I I'm I uh, curious about but what what musically is sort of on the agenda next I know I make the agendas but I'm talking about in a <laughs> more broad sense uh, you know what what are we working on What what's a new Rogue's tune going to look like in you know whenever the next one what's the next one
1: I don't think that we know the answer to that. I think it, we, we wrote out some demos, but we haven't touched the character chart in a little bit. We've been kind of re regrouping cause of COVID. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think it's going to depend on what we decide the next story or album looks like if we, if we follow the story or not. Um, cause we had planned to do, you know, Jason Valdez is one character in, in this universe and this one story. Um, And our next plan was to do another character and their perspective and their story and their journey in in that universe. And uh, that could sound entirely different than anything we've ever done, Um, depending on what we decide that character or that story needs musically. Um, But we're also, I'm not sure that that's the next project that's going to come out. We might do something before that. Um, we might do something totally different before that, and I don't think that there's a, a way to to tell someone what's going to happen next, because I think it depends on what happens in in that room when we write, or, or in that room when we write a demo, and in that room when someone listens to it, and you know, what happens by. in your head when you hear it back when, with yeah. what they've added.
2: And then that's the that's the other thing too. It's like what who's going to be influenced by something new Mm -hmm. that's going on in present time that could influence what we sound like in the future. Majority of the time. I mean, so much stuff is coming out even during, you know, all the stuff that's going on right now, uh, that, you know, maybe last year when I was listening to the the demos or trying to write demos, it's like, Oh, I probably wouldn't have done that nowadays. Yeah. You know, things can change within a few months. Things can change within, definitely within a couple of years, but for <clears throat> sure within a month.
0: Yeah.
3: I know for me it, it like the last EP subscribe, like sorry, Jason Valdez. Uh a lot of that stuff that that I wrote out was at least very emotionally influenced for me. I was going through like a big rough patch. So it was like it was literally just me and my guitar. So I channeled so much into it that at some point after all of that was channeled out and it was done I was like dried up musically. It was like having to find like what what influences me now because I got all that out of my system and it was done. And so it, it's kind of like a journey of finding yourself again. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm generally starting to find that that in its own may be an inspiration for something new. So who knows, maybe, maybe I'll have something new for everyone soon.
0: Yeah. True that. Well, that I I think it's, I I've had, I have a, uh, you know, being, having, having so many friends in the, in the industry, in, in the music industry. Um, I've, I've kind of wanted to talk about, um, uh, the, the whole COVID thing, because that's, I mean, it's, it's literally affecting everyone, you know, because human beings are susceptible to disease and, and uh, health things. So it, it literally affects everyone, but, um, you know, I've been kind of following what's going on with, with the music scene, but um, I, w- I would love to talk about it. So like how, how it's kind of affecting you and there's a lot of facets to it. I know for me, um, and I didn't think it would at first, and I, but I think it, some of this stuff compounded. Like it it affected me, obviously financially, which that one's pretty easy because if we're gigging musicians, we're no, no longer gigging musicians. Um, I was teaching. I lost a bunch of students because it wasn't safe for them to come out. So there was that. Um, also, as, as all of that stuff wore on, um, losing money is emotionally taxing which meant that the students I did have I wasn't teaching them very well and so I was thinking I can't keep doing this you know I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna try to sell some more compositions but I can't and there was a time um I literally just completely retracted I was I went into like you know snail mode um and so it it started you know with this practical thing money's is more scarce now I have to be a little bit more discerning with Um, how I'm spending, what, what kind of stuff I'm doing and also like how I'm spending time to make money. Um, but then that sort of, that devolved all the way into like, I wasn't on social media. I didn't return phone calls or text messages. Bradley called me like four times and I was just like, not in the mood. I can't, I can't do it.
1: I was literally just worried about him too.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, looking, looking back on it, I've, I've sort of recovered a little bit from, from that point. Um, but I would have been concerned about me too. And there was people that, that I cared for that were very, very, very similar. Um, So, you know, I, I I would love to sort of hear and, and maybe commiserate a little bit about, uh, you know, what's, what's going on, how y'all have, how your lives have changed practically and, you know, emotionally. Um, You know, we're, we're all here. I think we're all probably at least at a certain point where, um, We can sit and talk. I know we talk with each other a lot. We're comfortable and familiar enough with each other, but I'd love to to hear how you're doing with all this nonsense. Well, for me, my life has almost like not changed
3: at all. (laughs) In fact, I went from like being bored half the time with only work and then like playing guitar here or there to now it's like, I have maybe like, five minutes to myself each day.
2: <laughs> wow.
3: I, I, Sounds I can like change then. I mean, yeah, that's the, that's the big change is I, I got more work, more production and I mean, it's great. Like it, it's really helped a lot of my emotional instabilities because I don't have as much time up here. It's more like focused. Yeah. And, um, so I, like I built a computer and since then, I've just been helping with production, video, audio. I've been working with, uh, I, I'm starting a, a Dungeons and Dragons YouTube channel. And like, nice. I mean, it's, this whole COVID thing, it's terrible, it's 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 a tragedy and like, you know, uh, I wish that the individuals in this world would take responsibility for themselves and their communities and decide to be uh, more responsible with their health and the health of others. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's kind of given me a second to refocus myself yeah. um, and help our group refocus and my new projects focus.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. jump in now because I know Mark has probably the most to say, because mm-hmm. um, he he works in the music industry, um, and I know I know yeah. Anyway, so yeah, for me, you know, I I lost a lot of students like you, John, and uh, it was hard. Like I mean, um, I can't get unemployment. I didn't get the stimulus checks, you know, uh, so like you said, it's very, it was very emotionally taxing and it, it was easy to get into this dark place. But I think that like at the same time, it kind of gives me, it makes me think about like, what can I do now? Right. You know? Cause I, a lot of those things are out of my control. Um, and like, it's easy to feel sorry for yourself when you're broke as fuck. Like you know, really broke. broke yeah. And you can't go see the people you love and you can't go hang out at the bar or whatever. You can't go to a show. You, you can't do anything you want to do, but you know, there's also like all this. Yeah. yeah, you shouldn't, yeah. Okay, fair enough, yeah. Uh, I guess in my head, like just.
0: Right, well, well you're, a, you know. you're a compassionate person, so.
1: Right. <laughs> But, uh, you know, and and there, it's easy to think about yourself and and your situation when, you know, my biggest COVID scare was like my girlfriend and her family and they were okay. You know, Um, I had to get tested and everything. And I was worried about my family, but we were all fine. And I know that's not the same for a lot of people. So um, it's easy to, to feel down about it. So I think I've, I've Figured out. I, I don't know if it's this learning process that I keep talking about that um, I'm, I'm just like, for me personally, it's, it's kind of like Robert was saying more like looking to the future, um, getting out of that negative space. And, and now I'm just like focused on what can I do now to, to fix my situation? What can I do now to, to improve myself for tomorrow? Um, and that kind of stuff. So I, I'm, I'm feeling like overall positive. Generally, uh, not that I don't have my down moments, but uh, looking forward to the next thing for for me, um, in spite of um, the ease with which you can fall into that pit, and and yeah,
0: I, it is one of the things that that comes from uh, this this particular tragic ongoings is that it. A lot of us are sort of able to, to, to medicate, I guess, is a good word for it, um, things in our life that are really not sustainable. If we're at a job we hate, man, OK, I'm going to go drink every night. And I'm going to hang out with people. I'm going to go drink with people that I like to, to get rid of that negative feeling that I've had. I hate my job. I hate my job. I hate my family. I hate my wife and my kids. So I'm going to go drink every single night. Um, and you know, unfortunately, it's not—it's not great for everyone. It's not a moment of growth for everyone. Those particular extreme uh, circumstances, probably not. But um, you know, if you're un- unhappy at a, a job, maybe, uh, and you can't go out and socialize, you, and you really sit and think, we've been forced to to sit and be like, is this s- sustainable? Is this something that I've grown past, but I haven't been able to practically move out of? And that, that sort of forced introspection, I think, is making a lot of people realize uh, there's things in their life that they, can, they need to and that they can improve. Um, you know, And some people are finding, wait, I'm way more creative and entrepreneurial than I really thought I was. I'm going to start an Etsy shop where I make uh, mittens for hamsters. But they never would have done that if they were still working, You know. 46 hours a week at best buy making six dollars an hour like you know it it's it can be a time of growth and it doesn't necessarily have to be because that's you know a lot of people are like well well i have all this time now i should be growing but that's not really how life works either but it, it, it is i think an opportunity for for some folks um, i mean i've learned how to stream and operate some video equipment and uh you know, it's it's, a, it's still a process, but I've learned that I can do it with stuff I already had.
1: Um I think I think a good word is catalyst, you know. Yeah. Like it's been a catalyst for growth for some people. And I think that just like that's definitely at least my situation, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well,
2: um What about from Kevin? I'm gonna
0: know Yeah, I'm just gonna say what's what's a what's a gigging bass player? What's you know what's do your What's your day-to-day life? Is it, you know, similar to how you had it? I know you probably had to take some time off, but, you know, what's what's it like? Um, it's um, been different.
4: Yeah, had to adapt to certain things differently. I mean, wow. like what you had mentioned, I definitely uh, went through like a two month phase where I just like completely like checked out. and stuff. Just, with the unknown <laughs> mm-hmm. kind of set in um, I guess on the bright side it, I have to I have to like learn how to record myself and actually. Have That's has been a plus and, like doing like zoom and stuff like that and having to do a lot of like remote recording has been I guess a plus because I never actually did that I mean went like five years never actually getting doing that I just got by with the whole live thing yeah. So like actually I don't how to record do all that that's been I guess the positive out of it
0: well, that's good I mean I I never take it for granted that people are gonna find are, are going to be able to find uh, positive out of out of you know unfortunate situations but um, but that's good and those skills you know those that being able to record yourself and and the the whole platform of zoom and the idea of like remote communication that has to be a little bit more involved than a text message or a phone call. Those are like, those are lifelong skills. You know, the platform may change the minutiae of it might, but man, like wanting, I've never wanted to record myself before. And now I'm, I've gotten over that part and that's going to last me forever. Uh, being able to record myself, like you know, put it, have a computer, and and organize all my files. Like, also a huge, huge thing to to learn. So that's that's awesome. Um, I, I I'm I've seen. I I do want to get to Mark because I think I think like Bradley was saying his 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 thing is probably the I think the thing I'm most interested in. But I have seen. It's what day is it? It's September tenth right now. The the day we're recording this. I've already seen some. Well, it's Texas. Parts of Texas never closed down, yeah. parts of the country still have not closed down, but I am noticing that uh some restaurants are now uh inviting live musicians or having them more consistent. yeah there are but like there I go
4: at college fish and their bands playing those bars and stuff like they've been playing there since like July, yeah, and then there are some places people are still gigging, with you know despite the restrictions and stuff <laughs> really i don 't really feel with like that right now on some of those, on some level with that, mm-hmm. because I don't really want to take that risk if I can do the remote thing right now, more important than that. in a bar where people aren't wearing a mask and I don't know what I can bring home and affect the people around me. Yeah. Kind of more of my concern about the whole like fighting, because I know it's been going on since at least early July, but yeah. Well,
0: it's, it's freaky, man, because you, you, you know, if you're, if you're playing gigs, you probably are not covered by health insurance. Yeah. yeah. And you know, Very for me, much. for me, you know, I was thinking I've, I've had a couple of like, Hey, you want to come play drums at this restaurant? I'm like, you want to pay my insurance premiums? For-? Yeah.
4: What's that hazard pay? <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, Cause even when I was working full time, I couldn't even dream of being able to afford any sort of health coverage. Um, and so that's that's another huge thing that it contributed to the practicality of it's it like i'm not i'm not going to go teach in person there's no way you can get me around anyone under pff, 45 years of age on purpose because they don't know how to take care of themselves and they may maybe they come by that honestly but i'm not going to go teach a six-year-old right now uh, especially because no one's following protocol no one no one's yeah. washing their hands no one's wearing a mask especially at first like I'm absolutely not going to put myself in there because I have no recourse if something to yeah. happen. I, I live with my mother right now. She's in her mid 60s. I might be fine. Same. Same. And there's absolutely no way I could forgive myself if something that I could have prevented got her sick. There's no way I, I would never I would never get over that. And so it's not worth it to me. I love what I do. I love music. I love teaching. I love performing. I love writing. There's no way, I would trade my mother's health, safety, well-being, happiness, or life, for that. It's not going to happen. So. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. And I
4: got art. You know, got offered some stuff back in July by a gig, and it was like, look, I'm, you know, my health and the health of my like, family around me. That's not worth like the hundred dollar gig. Yeah. That totally isn't worth it. That totally outweighs it. It's like the long-term repercussions of
1: that. Yeah, my, my dad's 70, so <clears throat> I feel that. I also have a story. I don't know if you want to uh, edit it out or not, but <laughs> I, I I had a cough one week, and I knew it was allergies because, like, I had mowed the lawn, and I have really bad allergies. I knew it was allergies, but, you know, just just to be safe, I like stayed away from people and I called out of work one day Mm -hmm. and I teach and they make us wear masks and all that. And, um, to be honest, nothing has really changed for me except the mask wearing. I always am very conscious of washing my hands. I sanitize them, especially after I use my credit card or at a gas station, especially like, I hate that. I always feel dirty when I use that stuff. So I've always done that nothing's really changed for me. I'm still like OCD about germs, which I think most people are now getting to that level. Right. Yeah. Um, I just have to wear a mask now and that's fine. But, uh, I, I lost like students that day because I didn't come in and they wanted in person lessons. And I was just like, man, I was trying to do like a good thing and now I'm losing like money, which I'm not making because you know, whatever. Yep,
0: That's a, that's a, a practical consideration and it makes it, it's it's one of those things that it's like okay is what I'm doing sustainable? If I have if I take one day off and I, I actually lose future income for that, you know, not I think that everyone should always be uh, conscientious of what they're doing. And, you know, if you if you listen to this two years later and you're wondering, man, do I want to keep teaching? which I, which, and a lot of people ask themselves that question, say, absolutely, I would never do anything else, and awesome, but if you didn't ask yourself that question, you just kind of go through blindly, like, but, you know, for me, I asked myself that question, and and they were like, if this is going to be your only income, is it worth it, is the risk worth it, and I said, it's not for me, I, I I love teaching, you know, I love, I love helping people get better at music, and, you know, become better people through musical training, but, you know i decided it 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 wasn't worth the risk for me right this second you know when things change maybe different but i think it's always good to scrutinize that and um, it it sucks that i but we we definitely we lost students that's <laughs> it when when something happens like that uh, you know that income is volatile in that way and you know month to month it can even still be volatile so i don't know that's why People sack groceries and pour coffee, I guess. But but yeah, that, that's you know that's totally relevant. Um, so, Mark, you work at, You work in the biz, man. I think you work in you know show business and, and music, live events, uh, venues, and that. So, um, and I know that you've you've sort of been able to talk about this because it's it's interesting for people. Um, and it's it's a very broad thing and it's it's public and it's i think it's probably more scrutinized than than really anything other than like the restaurant industry so what what's what's your life been like man
2: uh i mean it's it's been it's been done like there's been nothing to do uh our you know, the live event industry is completely destroyed at this point. It's, uh, there's nothing that can really happen. I've seen some really good things happen here and there. I've seen some production companies make really smart decisions and, uh, kind of pivot into different directions. Uh, I've seen, you know, one staging company pivot into being like, Hey, if you need to make medical triage, like, here we go. Like we can create our stages and fully power this whole thing like this 1500 wow. you know patient medical temporary hospital mm-hmm. and we can do it for this you know and that you know that can create jobs but it's it's very it's short term right. you know in reality because it's like once it's built and it's picked up and it's put together like you're not going to be there to maintain it's it's going to be running on by, by itself you might have an electrician around but that's about it but you know, with everything else, you know, live music-wise, like, it's it's been done. Like, I've seen a lot of cancellations or postpones, uh, postponements of a lot of concerts and festivals, you know. I work both in, you know, multiple venues in Houston and also, like, in festivals around the country, you know. And I still remember, and I know the guys saw, like, me kind of lash out quite a bit, you know, when it first started coming down because they weren't being hit just yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was like mid-March, and I remember like I was done with, you know, Jill Scott, and the next day I hear I get a text or an email saying, "Hey, so this Friday's shows are canceled, and Saturday's shows are canceled, and Sundays are too. So you don't have anything to do. Maybe we can come back in a couple weeks." And the next thing I know, I see a couple weeks to maybe towards the end of the month to uh, hopefully by June we should be back. And then now it's like I'm sorry, we have to cancel every single fucking thing. Yeah, and it was it was hard, you know. Like I I remember, I was still a week and a half before I was supposed to leave for Vegas, um, to be there on April first to start working, and I still hadn't gotten confirmation about my flight to be out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone was kind of just it was just all low rumblings and nobody nobody really having an answer. And then it was the week before I was supposed to leave. You know, I got it. You know, an email saying, I'm sorry, like, we have to cancel this, uh, this event. And, you know, I'm like, okay, that I, I get it. And then two days later, I get another email from another festival saying, hey, we're also canceling ours. Like, we're going to have to do it next year. And I, I remember telling the guys and I felt really bad, you know, at the time, uh, because the guys are like, dude, it's not that big of a deal. And it's like, I literally lost like $15,000 in the yeah. span of a week. Mm -hmm. of future money that was supposed to be there that was supposed to help me push into the next thing for next year or Mm -hmm. to pay off the rest of my car or to do this and do that and like start settling my debts and start moving on you know from you know living in one place to another and it just like was each one was just disappearing one by one and I I hit like a major depression yeah I didn't want to talk to the guys I didn't want to you know, I was lashing out at them more than anything else. And I just asked for patience at that point. I was just like, please give me a, a little bit of time to like read, just reconfigure what I need to do. Mm-hmm. I need to figure out where income's gonna be coming from for a while and I need to kind of focus in now. And so it took, it took a while, you know, unemployment helped a lot, but you know, it's it's a short-term solution for, you know, a a gushing wound. Right. Basically. Yeah. It's It's a bandaid. It's a, it's a total bandaid. And and the worst part is that like at this point with our industry being the way it is, like we could just lose the goddamn leg in comparison to, you know, getting a scar. Right. And, uh, you know, so it, it kind of sucks to watch happen. You know, there's, it's really the people that are going to be affected. You know, a lot of people are kind of worried about the artist and it's like, no, the artist will be fine. They will figure something out. If you look right now, look at Travis Scott, he's figured something out over this whole situation. Has been featured in Fortnite the way he has and made yep. money doing that. Now he's got the Travis Scott meal at fucking McDonald's and it's lit. It's fucking stupid. Oh, and it is but it, it's just Is huh? it lit, Mark? It's what it, that's what they've been telling him like, "Oh, it's Oh lit. god,
0: that's actually a th- cuz
2: that's a part of one of his songs in Sicko Mode cuz It's lit. lit. Really loud. So kids, of course, when they go to order it, they said, it's yeah, lit. it's
1: lit.
0: I don't know what that means. It's fine.
1: I'm a I, victim sorry. of marketing and I don't even know it.
2: I know. It, well, and like, that was the, that's the funny thing is like, you know, he, he's going to be fine. What's going to suck is the production manager that worked for him or the personal assistants that he had or his lighting uh, designer, his stage manager, his multiple people he had on a crew, that those guys are the ones that are going to get fucked in the end. And those are the guys who, you know, I, I've heard lots of different people say, like, well, just find another job. And it's like, this is not a job anymore. There's something different when you're in this industry. It's it's a career. It's a lifestyle. It's a lot of things. And to just be told to flippantly, like, just do something else. It, it's, it's not the same, you know, and well, uh, not
1: only that, but like, it's not like, you know, there's a ton of jobs going away. It's not like, somebody like that can just move to another they have a specific skill set they can't just move into something else especially if something else isn't hiring
2: exactly and and that's ridiculous and that's the thing is that other companies are also just not having those openings anymore because that's the way they can save money because they're not making money like they used to you know it's it's a it's a very strange situation of like people wanting to get back to normal but there's no normal to get back to just yet. And yes, yeah. there are jobs that you know come into play every single day. But you know, I do feel that if you're not happy doing those type of things, then why do it? Why torture yourself? They've seen me torture myself in public storage. Mm-hmm. They've seen me, you know, just not be happy in those kind of situations. And yeah. as stressful as you know the industry can be. I would not not do that do that ever again. I would go back every single day if I have to push a fucking case uphill for, mm-hmm. you know, hours on it. I I don't care. I love it. Yeah. You know, and so like I said, it it hit me super hard. Got super depressed. Um it um helped me start looking inward and start doing things I haven't done or mm-hmm. wanted to do but just never had the moment to do it. Yeah. Uh started taking like photography a little bit more seriously with Polaroids and mm-hmm. like having fun with that. Uh, started reading books, which I haven't done since college maybe, mm-hmm. you know, and like finally getting into books that I had never thought I'd ever read and just having fun with it or, you know, meditating at one point and kind of understanding myself, you know, getting into keto a lot harder and losing weight and stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, so there has been like a personal change and like a personal um, just growth but at the same time it just sucks not to be doing what i really want to be doing too you know by you know seeing a lot of the the coworkers and friends that i have in the festival the festival business and the live industry business and trying to uh go for that again you know it's but, it's always fun when you make money doing it but you know it's not a, being a, there it's
0: yeah like, it's a passion thing and it's a career and i think that's that's how it's different um, mm-hmm. to me, so i you know working as a as a as a live performing and and writing musician, and you know you you have some obviously just as much experience as, as I do in that regard, but when I'm sitting thinking about okay uh, i can't I can 't play live shows anymore, I can write music, but no one's going to be able to play it right now because we can't have enough people you know what, what am I going to do now? The logical progression for that is you We've all seen it. We're all taking part in it. We could put our shit online. Mm-hmm. Um, I could have, I could do synthesized music. I can make beats. Um, I can write Minecraft loops like I've been doing. You know, I can stream video games because everyone loves p- to play video games. And sometimes people will let me talk at them while I'm playing video games. And I can actually make money doing that. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a way to monetize that. That set of skills that I've built up and my, Being able to build rapport with people through being a live musician is useful in that regard. I can reasonably transition from that to streaming and making money on the Internet.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: I've seen people that were some of my closest performing uh, musician friends go into real estate, go into insurance sales. Again, the people thing, working with people, totally reasonable transition. But have, what are, what are people doing? Like, are, are people able to, to sort of make any sort of reasonable transitions into, I know you, it's, it's not as easy to just find a job, and I'm not even talking about acquiring that and, and making that sustainable. But what are, what are people, what are your, what are your friends talking about? What are they doing? What are they doing to kill time? What are they, are they able to find work? If so, like where, where, where can someone with live uh, event experience ma- make some headway?
2: that's the interesting thing is that I think a lot of us have gotten back to what we've done in the past. So like, I I know that there are still some friends that like, they'll go back to being a barista. You know, Mm -hmm. I've had some musician friends that, well, I'll go back to retail and just deal with it that way or go, you know, do this and that just, you know, whatever they can get at at the moment and just not really worry about it. I've seen some friends in the festival world where like, if like they've, been in this office for so long, and now they're they're going and transitioning into something else, and it's like either they find another group that hasn't been completely de- like destroyed, and they go and they work with them and and still strive and still thrive with them, or they're now on, on on unemployment and they're just waiting, and they're just like, well, this is all I can do. I have money saved up, and now I'm you know saving this money too, but I can't do anything else because I don't want to, and. Right. I don't blame them. You know, they, they've also done this self exploring and stuff. I actually have one friend who, uh, he works in site operations that, you know, I would kind of help with a lot. Uh, and you know, he ended up going into working with FEMA and working with contracts with them. Wow. And it made sense. And for him, he's like, it's new experience and I'm learning on the, on the job because I've never welded before. I've never built these type of things before in my life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now he has to learn how to do it. And, it helped him out and it's it's only gonna make him stronger when he comes back to the to Festival World because honestly I think maybe nine out of ten of those people are gonna come back in reality. Like there's gonna be a lot of people who might just get over it and move on. But if once the day that they announce, hey, we're putting this on everybody's gonna come back. Yeah. Everybody that can come back will come back because they don't wanna they don't wanna leave this kind of work. It's we don't do it majority of the time for the money. The money's great, but, like, we don't do it just for the money. We do it because it's unique, Mm -hmm. and it makes sense for our lifestyles. That's it. The other thing I really got into was baking. I don't understand that, but I really have been falling in love with baking. And it kind of cracked me up because at 31, I started understanding that better and liking it. (laughs) In comparison to kind of thinking like of, like, Dr. Lane. One day he had opened his... uh, studio after a summer and he came in and he's like guys i made cookies and <laughs> it was just so we all started laughing because like we didn't get it we're all 18 to 22 era you know and like yeah. we didn't get it we just thought it was funny to hear this man tell us i made cookies and he was all excited about it and he made all these different things and then like i started doing it i made my cookies or i made <laughs> you know jam or i made all these other things and i started realizing the life lessons of doing that itself of just like creating in this way, yeah you know I'm not creating music all the time or that much at all nowadays, but mm-hmm. creating in this d- different spectrum like has been fascinating to me, and it's been fun to do and at the end of the day, I get to eat so and it always makes me happy. That's a high reward for me is to eat, but
0: man, now I want cookies.
2: I don't know if I got a batch for you or not.
1: <laughs> we need to have we need to have a a rogues among us uh <clears throat> bake off where uh Mark bakes five things and then we all get to try each one. Yes. You thought I was going to say that everyone bakes something, but no, just Mark.
0: That was smart on your point.
1: <laughs> so, I mean
0: that's just Mark baking and us eating. That's not really a bake off. <laughs>
1: Well, we could still call it that sell. though.
0: We could do a rogues bake sale.
1: Oh my god! We I could. think
0: that would be. Uh,
1: and we could call amazing. it "Let's Get Baked."
0: <laughs> ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Look at
1: Robert! Look at Robert! <laughs> <laughs> I put to <Robert> sleep <laughs> over there. <laughs> nah, nah, we we
0: good. We. I have a feeling like my backdrop's going to fall on my face. Like, around.
1: It doesn't <laughs> hurt the video. <laughs> It'll go viral. Definitely adds entertainment value. Yeah. Thanks. We're entertainers, right, Robert? I'm so we good. I'm
0: glad to know that y'all are willing to sacrifice my face for the entertainment <laughs> value.
2: Sacrifice the drummers first.
1: <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Actually, no, it's usually
3: games. it's usually the bass players.
1: That.
0: If they're there at all, I mean, it's whatever Raw wants. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sacrifice to Raw, not Rob, but Raw. Raw. <laughs> the puppy.
0: The puppy. Um. So <laughs> we've uh we've we've graced the two hour mark. Oh, nope. Which is a good thing, um, and I think there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of compelling thoughts. I mean, anytime five people get together, I, I think it's it's always going to be interesting. But um, you know, if there's anything you guys want to kind of say in summation, um, I will I will just say that like it's cool to get a little bit of insight on a group like I said that I've I was a fan of for quite some time. And now I'm I'm lucky enough to be a, to a part of and get to play music and write music and create things with you guys. Um, I'm I'm super excited. I'm more excited even than I was. You know, when when I first heard that you guys were, were thinking of having me on. And the more I learn, the more I know, and the more that we kind of hang out and do stuff together, um, the 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 cooler it is. I think, um, which is good because that's not always the case there's things I've been super excited about and then I get, you know, into it and I'm like, this kind of sucks a lot. And I really don't want to do it anymore. Um, I
1: I immediately regret this.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, What is
1: it uh, from arrested development? i made a huge mistake.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But do do y'all, do y'all have any, any final thoughts or anything else you want to, you want to kind of talk about before we wrap up?
3: I think, uh, really just be aware that we're making some big pushes on social media, especially on YouTube. So if you guys aren't already, please go check us out. Just search rogues among us. Uh, we are putting up like new videos seems like much more frequently than ever. Uh, we recently just put up a cover of life will change. We're doing something else, uh, maybe in line with, uh, the the amazon show the boys pretty soon right
0: perhaps oh yeah then,
3: perhaps yeah we have a we have a daft punk <clears throat> cover we're working on too and then we have some original stuff as well so i mean if you guys aren't already subscribed you know follow us on youtube because there's gonna be some cool stuff and then brad does some awesome amazing stuff on instagram for us um we're on pretty much every social media platform but like youtube and instagram is pretty big for us right now
2: you should get back on myspace
1: yeah we've got a hey, my space is of, great we've got a lot of new subscribers on our youtube channel um <clears throat> and we're trying to do more content for our existing fans and um for our new fans that we will have soon and uh just trying to show more of of who we are and what we can do um and then we'll have some new material at some point in the future too that's original
2: yeah and honestly like other than like the rogue stuff you should check out brad's new stuff he's doing on his own he's been putting out a lot of his own music you should check out rob's
1: uh dnd i feel like
2: it's i feel like it's a video podcast in reality but D&D campaign
1: We've gotten a sneak preview and it's really cool. Like his video work is pretty solid. And especially for a podcast, it's like very entertaining.
2: It really is. It's uh, it's called spell it out. It's fucking hilarious. It's It's going to be
1: out in October, right? October
2: 1st.
3: Well, so we're, we're releasing some videos actually. So next Thursday, the first video drops. So that is on the 17th of September. And we're going to be releasing videos every Monday and Thursday. After that, the first actual episode is yeah. October 1st. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Nope. Oh. October 8th. I'm okay. sorry. So-, um, so that'll be the first episode of high school D D and the really cool part about that is it features Houston artists as the soundtrack. So we have Mark, we have Brad, we have uh, Risky Ray, we got Dr. Paul Garza. So, you know, it's it's pretty cool like being able to feature all these Houston artists on a D&D channel and get to show off some of their chops.
2: Yeah, oh, absolutely is. Uh, yeah, other than that, you should go to the Best Little Drive-In in Houston if you live here in Houston. Hell yeah. We have uh, shows basically Fridays and Saturdays. We're trying to show off as much as we can. Uh, I think we're, we're actually in the process of moving over to Raven Tower, which has been pretty cool. Mm. So, we're going to have a lot more going on over there. Uh, but the big thing that I've been helping with them is just featuring local artists, you know, uh, as basically like the trailers instead of having trailers for movies. So, it's been kind of cool to be able to help the Houston scene and at such a time when like there is no way to perform safely. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, uh, so it's yeah, we're going to do everything that we can as individuals to support our friends and fam, you know, and ourselves as well in this type of situation. So that's all I got to plug.
0: Yeah. I'm going to, so I'm going to, well, Kevin, do you have anything to plug? Do you want to know? Okay. Well, I mean, if you have, if you have a safe or safe or remote gig, hire Kevin to play bass. He's a badass bass Mm -hmm. player. Uh, We don't want anyone to come to harm or danger. Um, I'm going to put links to everything. Um, I'll collect those and make sure that those go out with uh, with this um, episode slash video thing. Um, if you all, uh, I, I mentioned it earlier, I stream World of Warcraft and um, Minecraft now and music composition, um, and sometimes all three at the same time. That was a really weird and really long night. So, but if you guys want to come check that out, uh, you can find me on Twitch. At um, uh, Ornith Music, um, Ornith Music is kind of my brand for everything. So if you check out Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, I'm all on there. Um, I'm, I do mostly music stuff, but I'm, like I said earlier, I'm kind of working into video games. So um, check check all of those things out. Right now, like and I don't want to sound too beggy, but please help your musician friends and your live music friends and your friends that are in bands, because um, we, we do need help right now. Um, and so think about it. Think about what a day would be like without music. And the, the longer we, we go as musicians, or as members of a band, or as content creators, the longer we go, um, or the more days we have in a row where people aren't, you know, aren't considering us and thinking about us, the closer we get to the point where there's not going to be new music There's not going to be new youtube videos there's not going to be new feature films there's not going to be new tv um and nobody wants that it's it's part of our life it's part of our culture as it should be um so support your artists, friends um you know uh share this idea share everything it's 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 really easy to uh forget that but send it to someone send it to someone you know send it post it somewhere that you don't know um you know if, if you would, please help us out, um, because uh, we're entertainers and, at heart, and we love making things for people, and we need people to make them for. So I would that would be my, my closing, because just, you know, help us out. We love yeah. you, and help us out.
4: Help us.